0: All right, American Hammers TV. A bit late today, but I um, just want to mention real quick, we have a sponsor, and they gave us an awesome discount code for you guys. Strava Craft Coffee out of Denver, Colorado. Um, this is the stuff I drink every single episode, as you can see, even um, 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock in the morning. doesn't matter because it's organically infused with hemp oil, so it counterbalances the caffeine. This um, is awesome. So anyway, go in the uh, checkout. Treat yourself, go and check out and make sure you put in hammers 15 and you can save 15% until June 30th. Um, it's really good stuff. So, that said, um, today we have an awesome show. We have a bunch of people in uh, this hangout here. We have um, Wayne from Dallas Hammers, we have Lee, my co host, as usual, and man, we have Dave Walker. What's going on, Dave? mate it's a pleasure it's a pleasure to be speaking to you boys always keen to speak to
1: my uh brothers from across the pond so uh yeah it's be uh it's very nice to be here virtually albeit but it's a pleasure
0: no, well, when somebody, that somebody
2: comes online from England it's like everyone over here in the states says Wayne you don't sound English anymore this is like this is going to make me look proper bad it is <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no I, I, yeah, I can tell you was uh you was a Brit but um yeah, obviously you're an expat over there. It's, it's just fascinating really just to hear, I've, I've always been interested to hear our different people fall in love with West Ham and I've just had a real fascination since I've got speaking to the different Emmas all over the world really, um, which the podcast has allowed me to do, just to hear the different stories. So uh, it's interesting, so you know obviously when I got the invitation I was keen to jump on, it's, it really is,
0: it's a pleasure to be speaking to you boys. I appreciate that. Now, um, real quick, just so everybody who is watching our show who, you know, may not know who you are. I mean, which would be stupid if they don't, but, but um just give a little background. So how did you become Hammer?
1: Right, okay, Blimey, where do I start? Okay, so I am from a place called Hainault in uh, which falls under the Ilford postcode. Not the most glamorous of places on the planet, let me assure you, but um it's even worse now than it was when I was a kid. Um, but my family are from the East End. Um Having said that, the caveat to that was how my mum and dad actually met was my mum's family moved across from King's Road in Chelsea, believe it or not, just off the King's Road, so it could have been very different for me, and uh, moved next door to my dad. And my dad is a, a, a staunch East Ender. Um, the place that they were living at the time was New City Road, which was in Upton Park, stone throw from the ground. And then the kind of history engulfed them even further because they they worked around the area. One of my nans was um, was a chef in uh, uh, Nathan's Pie Mash, the other one. Uh, worked oh. in the uh, um, so, yeah. club. Don't mention that day yeah. for years. I know, another one bites the dust. We, we've, we've seen so many of them, haven't we? And um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's just a, a real big uh, East End background to me. And um, it's I just one of the things I was born into it, like a lot of people say. You know, my baby grower was a West End one as soon as I came out. So that was me, you know, looking back and uh, committing myself to a lifetime of misery ever since. <laughs>
0: here's the misery <laughs> it's, it's definitely um, my my favorite part of our show also is um you know because we, we started off by showcasing all the different american west Ham supporters groups we started yep. off that way and then we've since just you know expanded but um our platform but uh, the best part is definitely hearing you know how even like you said people from over here uh, how did they become west ham fans i mean it's some fascinating stories everything from Oh, I, I started following after watching Green Street Hooligans. Oh, um, you know, my family's from East London. Uh, oh, um, I just couldn't stand, you know, people wearing Manchester United and Liverpool shirts and I wanted to pick a different team. And, oh, you know, the hammers stood out to me, or the colours or whatever. It's always something different, which is awesome.
1: Very true. Yeah, it's very true. And, and look, at the end of the day, we're all bonded together by a single club and who cares what the story is, as long as you've got that mutual love and passion and loyalty to the club. That's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, we're all part of the same family at the end of the day. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Who's your first big hero, Dave? Who's your, your first big West Ham hero? Oh. Do you know what I would have to say? I mean, I, I get asked my, my heroes quite a lot. And um, there, there are two frontrunners for me. Um, I think it's a tie between Dixie and Paolo Di Canio from my era. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and my, my first game, and I'm struggling for the year now, and I should know this off the cuff, my first ever West Ham game was incredible. And you won't believe... My debut for West Ham was West Ham United 7, Hull 1. Oh, and, it on would,
3: and
1: it would be... And it was also a Climax. Well,
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm Have you seen seven goals in all the games you've been to since? <laughs> I mean, like, fine, not
1: in one, but all of them. Mate, well, you, you can imagine as a kid. I mean, I left the stadium and obviously, I, you know, in the run-up to the game, I fell in love with the pre-match atmosphere and the smell of the burger vans and, and the kind of, I suppose, army-type mentality of all these West Ham fans together outside the bowling. And, you know, that's what I fell in love with we've, that cemented my love for West Ham, really, because in the run up to that, I was watching all the videotapes and, and, you know, reconstructing all the goals, buying all the kits and talking West Ham obsessively with my friends and family. So I was already there. But to see my team score seven goals as a kid, I thought we were the best team on the planet. And it also
3: includes... Like, <laughs> <it also included laughs> like, uh, I'm still crying. fraud or false advertising, right? That's if you <laughs> <word. laughs> Honestly, a drug dealer. Like a drug dealer, he hooks you in, and then everything else you pay for. You know? Yeah, (laughs) I know.
1: It's incredible, really. I look back now and to think seven goals. I mean, and and one of them, which is the collector's item I was going to talk to you about, was a, a goal from Stevie Potts which was about 30 yards out, the worst long shot goal you'll ever see in your life. It's like a daisy cut, a trickle through the keeper's legs. And um, yeah, it was a day I'll never forget. It was fantastic. But yeah, ever since, like like the rest of us, really, the, the bug's never gone. I'm, you know, passionately loyal to West Ham. I, I, I always have been, always will be. And it's if you cut me open, I'm Claret and Blue. It's as simple as that. Blimey.
2: Blimey. You, you said if, they, if we cut you open, you're Claret and Blue. Who was the first player who cut you open? It was the first one that, that made you want want to die because you were so hurt that they'd that, that they done it to you.
1: In terms of leaving the club? Yeah. I think even at that age, whilst I understood it, I, I could never accept losing Dixie. You know, when he yeah. went to Liverpool, I know he came back, but he was my hero, Dixie. And um, you know I've had the pleasure of meeting him many times in recent years, and I've worked with him on occasions. And uh, you know they say they should never, you should never meet your heroes, and that's it's a load of bollocks, really, because I've I've met so many of them, and they're all top lads. And uh, but that one hurt definitely, yeah. To, to see him go to Liverpool was um, was a tough one, and obviously in exchange I think we have got David Burrows and Mike Marsh, both of which done a pretty good job for West Ham actually. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, Dixie for me was the epitome of uh, he was of West Ham, of a, wasn't
2: he?
1: He, he, he like was yeah do do, do you know what i i saw him as my modern day billy bonds at the time because i'm too Mm -hmm. young for Billy Bonds. i
3: think that
1: that, that dixie was was in the same mold you know he was a warrior on the pitch and um you know i love that about him and let's not forget he could play as well dixie so uh, yeah i I think the short answer to your question is julian dix i think
3: so when did you decide to uh, build a little West Ham online empire with everything that you've put together. <laughs> 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 Listen, we're, we're trying to build a little uh, a little empire on the other side of the Atlantic here. So, tell us how you got started and ended up with all the it ended up with uh, four million people watching you pretend to be Harry Kane.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the pinnacle of my empire was uh, pretending. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the irony is incredible, isn't it? But no, it, do you know it's 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 a funny story. Yeah, I, I sort of fell into it really. You know, I've been a season ticket holder on and off now for nearly thirty years. And um, and do you know what? I I, I I was never really one to get involved on the social media element of West Ham. It took me up until about eighteen months ago to even go onto Twitter. To, to be honest, um if I was to go onto social media, it would be Facebook, checking on friends' family, all that kind of stuff and uh and I went on this group it was a West Ham group, and I saw that there was um quite a, a heated conversation online about Sam Allardyce, and everyone was absolutely battering him and 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 I didn't agree with a lot what was being said and to this day, I think he, he came in to do a job for West Ham and he did a good job for west ham and and I said no more than that really, and I was more specific around my points and and it's the strangest thing, the, the, the admin of this group. And you know what? I probably would name him, shame him if I could remember him, but I can't. He, um, he really took offence to it. And, and it started to get aggressive. And he was sending me private messages. And and it got to a point, and I, and I don't know what part of me thought this was a good idea at the time. In hindsight, it turned out to be a very good idea. I just sent him a message and, and said, you know what, mate? Fuck you. Fuck your group. I'm going to create a group. And, and, and a, a kind of social media brand that will shit all over yours. And then I can give <laughs> my own opinions without arguing with the likes of you. And then, do you know what? I, I, I came up with the idea of creating Sex, Drugs and Colton and Cole, which uh, is a successful online fanzine. And um, I, I started it with another West End friend of mine, Kevin Slade um together we we kind of put it together and and we wanted to make it a page as opposed to a group because we wanted more kind of fans in content and we tried to create sort of features not just discussion points but catchy features video clips comedy news nostalgia really tried to kind of push it out there as the best it was and and ironically i think what what really put us on the map was we launched into doing real top high level video interviews with ex-players and celebrity yeah. fans. Mm-hmm. I think looking back, that was a defining moment for us. And, um, the first of which was Julian Dix and, um, you know, that interview was great. In fact, all 10 that we've done, uh, were great. And that kind of started to get us a bit more noticed and, um, more and more people wanted to know who we were and, and engage with us and, 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 work with us. And one of those people was, um, my new wife, ex employee. <laughs>
3: and <yeah. laughs>
1: now, honestly, so, so, is that a big hint? Is,
2: is he really a she?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh God! He, he, he definitely isn't a she, but we genuinely are like a married couple, only with a lot more sex. <laughs> 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 um, but no. But but he. What's the he <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he created uh, a brand he solely created a brand called the West Ham Way which was in the form of a website and he himself wanted to kind of take himself self to the next level because obviously he's an ITK and, and a very good one at that the most notorious not just at West Ham but arguably in football in my opinion and um and he wanted to kind of branch out and, and offer different avenues to this website one of which was to see if we'd be interested in um uploading our interviews exclusively with the West Ham way. So we met up with him and And jokes aside from that day to this, me and ex have, have just evolved into the very best of friends. You know, we, we, we're very close. And um, apart from a really good friendship that we've struck up, we, we soon realized that we have the same creative ambitions. Uh, we've both got this mutual bond of, of, of loving West Ham like we all do. And uh, we've both constantly you know we like to think got pretty good ideas so um that evolved into the west Way podcast which um i mean is is far more popular than i ever dreamt it could have been to be honest with it you I, it is fantastic though yeah yeah I, you know honestly i still have to pinch myself i mean i look back now and and the producer of phoenix fm at the time approached x he, he had no idea who i was and to be honest a lot of people didn't and uh and he said well, we to it dave no, <laughs> the intro you made me give, but, um, you know, and he approached X and he said, look, we want to do a West end based radio show. And he said, well, look, I'm not going to do it on my own. I want someone to, to host it and, and do it along with me. And he came to me and Kev at the time. And uh, and, it, and it was me who said, look, I don't want to do it. I don't really want to commit myself to something every week. And, and then he basically bullied me into... Giving it a go. And thank God I did, because it's the best thing I've ever done. And, and if it would have gone on to be as successful as it is now without me, I'd be kicking myself because it's it's just a joy. And then obviously the the backfall from that, which was another one of our projects, was the West Ham Way pre-match event. Yeah, which was, was yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's arguably, you know, our proudest achievement. And that was born from a conversation between me and a good friend of mine called Mark Wald, who used to play for West Ham in the 80s. Yep. And uh, we was on the phone once. We, we, you know, we used to speak quite often, and we still do. And uh, he was saying how much he'd like to get back into hospitality because it's been hard for him getting work since he's released from prison because of his reputation or how he might be perceived uh, in a professional capacity. And he said to me one day, he said, "You know what, Dave?" He said, um, "Everton do something." He said, uh, "He said they charge him thirty quid to get on the door, and they they just go down Morrison's, buy X amount of beers." 10 tables of 10 and they do a pre-match stuff and sometimes players come down they do a little Q&A and whatnot so I like to say that he he planted the seed and me and X grew it into a beautiful flower really um and and that's what we're doing and and then the first person I turned to to make this happen alongside me was X because his marketing reach is massive and he is an ideas man he's very creative and ambitious like I am so I think between me X and Waldy we've created something to be proud of and uh yeah
0: long may it continue and obviously we put that under the way brand as well yeah do you have any like wild stories from any of those pre-match events like uh, that weren't uh that people didn't really know about uh, i i can't i can't talk to you about any wild stories i'm not sure well, throwing anybody in the bus yes, on, <laughs> we only have 300 it- subscribers <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, 350,
0: I mean, hold on, we're driving, 350. We're
3: getting there, we're getting there. Yeah. On, we way. average
0: 100 a month, which is pretty damn good. Only, I'll take Jimmy down the other day, you can month. tell me after.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, there are some stories, I mean, we've had some characters, and uh, yeah, there's there's been some things that I can tell you. Um, but i couldn't i couldn't tell you on camera purely out of respect to them really yeah. because you know there's some stuff that we would all laugh at but but other people might not see it as funny but now i mean on a more on a more innocent side of things you know there was uh i remember marlon Harewood um agreed to do it and uh, you know he was very popular at, um, at an event and i think there was 300 fans that had um, bought a ticket to see him And uh, I remember it was, I said to him, you know, be there for quarter to 12. And he said, yeah, no, no no problem at all. Anyways, quarter to 12's gone, 10 to 12's gone, 5 to 12's gone. And and I'm starting to shit myself a little bit now. And uh, (laughs) I've gone into the back room. And you've got to remember, there are 300 pissed up West Ham fans there that (laughs) want to see Marlon Harewood. So... If they can't see Marlon Harewood, there's only one West Ham fan that has to be held accountable for, and that's me. Mm So, you know, that isn't kind of filling me with a lot of uh, confidence and enthusiasm at that stage. So, yeah, I was shitting myself a little bit. So I got on the phone to Marlon, didn't answer. I thought, fuck this. Um, Gave it another five minutes, went back on the phone to him, and he answered. I said, Marlon, I said, is everything all right, mate? He said, he said, mate, he said, "Um, you're not going to bleed this. He said, I can't make it. I said, oh, mate, I said, don't do that to me. You're joking. I said, I've got 300 fans out there waiting for you to turn up. I said, what's the matter? He said, I can't really go into it. I said, mate, you're going to have to go into it. I said, because I've got to know what to tell these people. And I'm starting to sweat and I'm getting a real (laughs) stress one. Anyway, then he, he 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 suddenly just broke down laughing and said, I made a joke, mate, i him outside, I'll be up in a minute. So <laughs>
3: <What> a bastard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, the relief and <laughs> I'm um- just pleased <laughs> sort of, you, you know, throwing out of accused at him, you know what well, I mean? And like he would have so turned
3: much. around and go. But- you still have to tell that story. I, I, you didn't you didn't kill him right on the spot after he did oh, that well. to you?
1: No, he's bigger than me. You know, I'm quite. A he's a big that. boy. He is a big boy. <laughs> he's he's a unit, Marlon. So no, I'll give him a pass on that one. <laughs> oh but, uh, you know what? Honestly, there's been so many memories uh, that we've created there, and that that was the magical thing about doing the pre-match event. And that was genuinely our only ambition at the time to do it was was to bring everyone together and and bring everyone together in a working class. Environment because obviously when we moved from Upton Park to Stratford, we moved from a spit and sawdust working class environment that everyone fell in love with to a nice bright shiny corporate experience at Stratford, and a lot of people were resentful of that. And we spotted an opportunity to to keep people back at our spiritual home on a match day, be with your own people, and meet your heroes and enjoy the experience. And I think we delivered that, but then sadly, like so many institutions before it. It's uh, it's closed its doors, and because of that, we've now taken it to O'Neill's in Leightonstone, which is still great, but it's um, it's still growing, but very enjoyable.
2: So, what so, is so? Actually, I've got a question for you from from one of one of my lads in Dallas, because when they found out that you were going to be coming on the on the, the American Hammers TV show, um, I, I asked them if they had any questions, and one who is religiously listens to your podcast every week, and like his first question was find out who X is, and i'm like don't be a stupid twank <laughs> i said we're not going to find that out that was his first question and, and, and i and i said let's ask a proper question he says who who does he have lined up for the for the pre-match events next year any any big names for next year that you I can think let the, us
1: into do you know what I, I think that the one thing that we could do differently and should do differently is that we do tend to cut it a bit fine you know, I think in an ideal world, we should have the fixture list and we should go straight to these players and book them months in advance. That's what we but, should yeah, do. Because, you know,
2: because he said he would he'd be
1: willing to to book and come over just for that. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I'm sure he's not the only one. But in reality, we are such busy people that sometimes we don't do things. The way we should do it and uh, and that's a prime example so sometimes we book someone on a couple of weeks notice and um sometimes it's a month and sometimes in the past it's been four or five days but thank god we've always had someone to do an event and we've i think we've done 36 or 37 of them now in, in just over two and a half years but um no i mean there's people i'd love to to get over you know there's um you know billy bonds obviously for me he's uh incredibly a man i've never met uh, so I'd like to get him at an event. Paolo Di Canio, uh, he done mm-hmm. one in this country recently. He'd be another one I'd like to, to get over. We've covered an incredible amount of people at these events, to be quite honest with you, yeah. so there isn't a hell of a lot of people left. But, you know, we're at a stage now where we're probably going to start recycling a, a lot of the players that we've had because we've, we've hit in the three-year stage now, and it's been a while since people have heard from them. And let's be honest, the first guest we ever had in that event was Frank McIverney, so who's going to complain if Frank comes back in town? Seriously. You know? Seriously. Yeah. seriously. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, um, I think my only frustration with the events, if I'm being brutally honest, as I always am, is looking at historical ticket sales. And this is the one thing that I struggle with a little bit, if I'm honest, purely because I don't think this is the way it should be. But it is, is that you, you only really get a lot of bodies through the door at these events if it's a West Ham legend or they've played for the club in the last 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. Which disappoints me a little bit because as far as I'm concerned, and obviously I am biased, the event offers so much more than just the guest. The guest should be a massive bonus. And as far as I'm concerned, if that guest has played 20, 30, 40, 50 times for West Ham, people should, should be respectful towards him and, and actually be genuinely interested in what he has to say. Um yeah. you know that I mean, you know, that, for example, there are there are players. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't name them, and I won't. But there are players that are crying out to do this event. They're actually approaching us. And I would love to hear them on stage with Waldie doing the Q&A, but I know it won't sell tickets. So, um, well, tell yeah.
3: Them, they'll, they'll the right. They can come on our show. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> why not?
3: We'll take anybody. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll have why not? Zabby. We'll can <laughs> come on our show. That's fine. yeah anybody but
1: but do do you know what though lads i'm i'm not just saying but but do you know what lads honestly i'm not just saying this everyone has to start from somewhere yeah you know I, i remember absolutely buzzing beyond belief when we had 600 followers on the facebook page you know because that that's where we started off and and i didn't know anyone in the game i didn't have any contacts but over time that's what you develop and, and you grow more quality content and you commit yourself to it and you get to meet a lot of people and create a network of contacts and with that comes different opportunities and mm-hmm. uh and you go and be successful from there so that that's all i've done really if not luck, you know more luck than judgment but
3: everyone has to start somewhere you know so now hey, you boys keep cracking on mm-hmm. so so is it is it how much is this your day job now i mean how much time do you spend on this now not
1: as much time as i'd like to spend on it if i'm honest i mean i do i do have a day job and uh you know it's um it's a target driven job but fortunately enough i can work from home uh so that helps but you know i'm just i am genuinely incredibly busy because i've got my nine to five job so to speak i've got the podcast to do that takes preparation because it's not Mm -hmm. There's a lot of structure and thought that goes into that. Then there's the planning around the pre-match events. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with that that I've constantly got to sort out as his ex. Then we've got to deal with sponsorship um then we've got to deal with kind of creative and potentially um revenue generating ideas surrounding the podcast which has its own challenges i won't bore you with that and then of course above anything else which is the most important thing on the planet for me is i'm also a husband and uh, a dad so yeah. yeah i'm i don't have you know a hell of a lot of time free if i'm honest but in an ideal world i would like to do the west ham stuff full time and i don't think i'm a million miles away from that but i'm not there yet
3: yeah. What does Carlton Cole think about having his name, uh, not that he wasn't a legend anyway, but (coughs) having his name sort of forever enshrined in West Ham lore with uh, sex, drugs and Carlton Cole?
1: Yeah. Do you know, it's a funny one with Colton because, um, you know, a lot of people make the misconception that it it, it was a tribute fanzine to him, but it never was. I mean, listen, I love Colton. I don't think there's a man alive, let alone a West Ham fan alive Mm -hmm. that doesn't love Carlton Cole. He's, he's a legend off the pitch and in many ways on it. Um, But it was only ever a a catchy play on words that's all it was meant to be a west ham related catchy play on words and um we tried to get an interview with him and we couldn't and the reason was whilst he was still playing he couldn't be associated with the word drugs
0: Yeah. Rock
3: and roll,
1: but he couldn't have his name against something that had drugs in the title. So, you know, for that reason, I had no interaction or working relationship with Colton until uh, he retired. And since then, he's done a pre-match event for us. I hosted... Um, an anniversary, a thirtieth anniversary dinner for the Scandinavian Hammers, which was held at the stadium, and the guest of honor was Colton. So you know, I hosted that, done a live Q and A, been there. So I've, I've met him a few times. You know, we, we've swapped numbers. I've you know, I, I wouldn't say that we're we're friends, uh, but yeah, um, we've done a few bits and pieces you together, probably, and he's a top man.
3: You couldn't have changed it to like sex, prescription drugs, and Carlton Cole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's
3: prescription drugs, and it doesn't go, mate. It
1: doesn't go. I don't know. Page. <laughs> uh, I
2: think Ian Drury would turn over in his grave.
3: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, Ian Drury. Yeah, that's true. He'd, he'd hit you with the rhythm stick, right? That's. Uh, I think that was yeah, you are, you have a lot of people hit you with a
2: rhythm stick. I mean, how much time do you spend? knocking back people that hate your
1: opinion of stuff well do you know what it's it's a really interesting question because i don't know what i've done in recent times but i don't seem to get a lot of shit anymore now i'm probably jinxing myself now um i know i know i know what caused it i mean listen
3: if you watch me on this show just ask bubbles You'll get. to <laughs> I mean, I mean to, to be honest, to, to be honest, I, listen. I know
1: there are people out there that don't like me, and I'm I'm absolutely comfortable with that. I mean, luckily enough for me, the pendulum is swinging swinging in the right way for me at the moment. I seem to get more positive feedback than negative feedback. But you know, when you put yourself on a platform that we have, and almost accidentally created, where we've got a global reach. You know in an ideal world everyone would agree with you and love your opinions but at the same time one of the reasons why i think our podcast has been a success is that there are so so many is probably a bit harsh but there are quite a few west ham related accounts out there that build a reputation on playing it safe and sitting on the fence and just doing things to get people on side so to speak but you know west ham aside it's not my nature you know, I'm i I'm, I'm not a fiery person, but I wear my art on my sleeve and I'm very passionate about a lot of different topics in life. And and if something, if I believe in something or I've got an opinion on something in relation to West Ham that I know people won't necessarily like, but I truly believe it in my heart, I'll say it. Now, I know that in the past that's kind of made me quite unpopular or a bit of a Marmite character. The, the, the main one for me, I think which kicked it all off was my support of the bold during probably West Ham's darkest times when we moved from Upton Park to the new stadium. That wasn't a popular opinion, but I stuck by it. I took the stick and, um, and to be honest, the, the kind of, um, I don't know. It was a bit of a, It was an interesting time when the board appointed Manuel Pellegrini and and injected 100 odd million pound into the football club. Because Mm -hmm. whilst I, I don't think they'll ever be liked in a lot of people's eyes, I think they surprised a lot of people. And I always said, always said that that day would come. And people thought that I was saying that to protect certain relationships that they believe I have within the Sullivan family. But I wasn't at all and it's it's genuinely what i believe because i've always been open and honest about that there are certain people within the family that i know um you know I, i there are certain good relationships in place and um but that doesn't mean i'm protecting anyone what that means is i've had maybe exposure to certain conversations and looked in certain eyes when that person or people have have said to me this is what we genuinely want for West Ham. This is where we're going to go. This is what we want to achieve. This is our strategy, but it isn't necessarily going to be made public, so to speak. So there was a lot of people that were hating them. And because of my support for them at that time, hating me, but actually what's come to fruition recently, i.e. last season transfer figure, was exactly what I believe would happen, you know, the whole way through. Now the rumour has it Um which is you know firmly supported by x is that we're not going to have any money to spend in the summer it's just going to be player cash sales so we'll keep the money from transfer fees gained from that um now i'm not overly comfortable about that but i would be prepared to let it go having said that and this is proof that i'm not protecting any relationships in place if that was to happen the following season then that is a complete disregard of any ambition they claim to have for west ham mm-hmm. and that is you can't yeah. you can't take it down to the next level on the back of you know a one generous transfer window, so at that point, if it was to happen, that's when I would hold my hands up and say, "Thanks for what you've done," but it's time to move on because you can't take this forward. But how does
0: that go? So it, it started off that we it was reported that we had like what sixty million, and then went no, what was it twenty five million, and then went up to thirty five or forty five million or something like that. Basically, the, the figures have changed over the last couple of months. Um, of I mean, even even what X has been reporting, like what, what what do we know right now? Like what what is you're saying that. No new transfer money, just only what we get in from the transfers? I think it's unclear at this stage, yeah, to so. be honest.
1: because I'm not I'm not overly sure it's hundred percent clear within the club as of yet. What I do know, and X will tell you the same, is that there are a team of people there which consists of mm-hmm. old Manuel Pellegrini, um agilios um and they get together and I think they've agreed, maybe even reluctantly agreed on Pellegrini's part. I don't know that they believe that we can generate enough money from player sales and shifting certain wages off the books that would allow us to have a substantial amount of money to spend on replacement players.
0: Does that That's mean so. a
3: lot of is gone? because I, I can't imagine who is going
0: to us- sell to make that much money. Yeah. Right.
3: Our tra- we don't have that many players who can actually pull in that much money unless you talk about Arnautovic or No, wages, or- yes, but not transfer yeah. fee. Yeah, mm-hmm. about transfer fees. You'd have to be talking about Arnautovic or, God forbid, Declan Rice. So are we- or Lanzini or whatever, or Lanzini, yeah. You're right. Are we looking at somebody like that having to go?
1: Well, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely not. I mean, you know, one of my selling points for the bold in recent times when I was challenged on it is that I don't believe we're a selling club anymore, whereas West Ham were for many years. Mm-hmm. And I think the players that we've wanted to keep, with the exception of Dimitri Pyatt, but that was an isolated incident, we've kept. And we've actually paid very, very big wages. And we, we, we you know, if you look at our wage bill now, we're up there with the best of Premier League clubs with what we spend. So um, I think in terms of the players that we can shift, there's probably a lot of players that you might not necessarily think of that will spring to the front of your mind. So, and these are all possibles, by the way. X would be able to give you a more definitive answer. But, you know, you've got Hernandez, maybe 10 million. And and I'm talking this off the top of my head now. Pedro Obiang, maybe 10 million. Marco Anoltovich, realistically, 30 million. Oh, I don't think We're going to get 45 for him. Maybe 30 million. I mean, that's 50 million pound on three players. And then you've got Jordan Hugill. You know, he'll go for 5 million pounds. Um, you know who else is there? Um,
0: well, Perez, Perez uh, won't get much,
1: though. Perez, Perez, you know, he might get between five to, to ten million, uh, maybe closer to five, but straight away, there you, you're, you're looking at literally off the cuff 60 to 70 million pounds now. If that's what we're going to get, not to mention the wages. I mean, collectively, you know, you look at the likes I of Andy Carroll,
3: yeah, getting rid of Andy Carroll alone and, and his hair care budget that's uh. Ma-
1: massively. So, you know, whilst yeah. a lot of my stand fans aren't overly comfortable with there not being a lot of money to spend, you know, I don't know if it's nothing. I don't know if it's £25 million, which has been reported. But let's say it is £25 million. Well, if that's the case and what I've said is close to accurate in what we could receive for the players, then that's close to £100 million again. So maybe they're trying to get the right balance between getting people off the books that shouldn't be here anymore because they paid too much money with no return on investment um, and protecting the football club financially, which I think is massively important and fans constantly choose to overlook that versus having to spend enough money to keep up with other clubs around us in our quest to, to knock on, you know, the door of a European place. So. Um, you know, so i let it go this season and, and we'll, we'll, time will tell. And we'll see what they well, do.
0: Speaking of this season, what, what do you think so far with Pusolos uh, and, and Pellegrini? What do you think about the job they've done? With, with well, the I, I'm
1: not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how much involvement or, or how much of an achievement has been had by Azilius. if I'm honest. I mean, I know that he's paid a lot of money every year to do what he does. I would love to know, signing by signing, who he was directly involved in because I'm, I'm not sure it's every single one of them. And uh, and I'm not sure there's been enough gems uncovered um, that's been brought into the football club through Huzilius, which I think is what he was employed to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm, the jury's out with that one, but I can't make a, a definitive statement because I don't know the facts. Yeah. In terms of the season itself, I think it's been a funny old season, you know? I think, mm. you know, the, the what this season comes down to is one word, and that's consistency. <laughs>
3: um, yeah,
1: like, uh, yeah. then yeah. what what yeah. that that is what's let us down that's what's killed us this season and and that's also been the most frustrating thing because they've almost created a rod for their own back by winning big games because yeah. when they win big games we know they can do it because they're a good group of players there who yeah. enjoy playing for this damn apparently but then they go up against the likes of, you know, your Burnleys or your Bournemouths or your Wolves or, and, and, and they, they just don't look like they want it. They just
3: don't turn up. And that's happened too many times this season. How much and, and, the manager did. I mean, I like Pellegrini personally. I support him. but I feel as though West Ham have never had a manager in the time that I've been following the club, 15 years i yeah. who actually could get consistent performances out of our players. We've had every type, type of manager you can imagine, from Avram Grant, who was clinically dead, to Zola,
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, was,
3: how many people know that uh, he was he was based? There were people propping him up like weekend at Bernie's back there. Uh, <laughs> weekend at Bernie's. Zola, who was you know, I mean, Zola was like constantly being electrocuted or something. I mean, we've had personality. You can imagine. Well, I, so how so? Is it Pellegrini or is it just that's just how we are? It's something in the DNA of the club. Well,
1: I mean, I am, whilst I'm not denying the truth in the DNA in the club, and it's the West Ham way, I am still very resentful of that, you know, yeah. type of yeah. for West Ham, because no, you know, yeah. if we could laugh it off and joke about it in the days of the bowling and going up and down the leagues and never really having any quality players to cheer about or any decent posters put up on your wall, we are now supposedly bought into a time where that comes to an end and better memories lay ahead of us. Um, So that's why we've paid massive money for Pellegrini to come in alongside Azilius and his team and actually paid a lot of money to players to stay and paid a lot of money for players to come in. So we've done. Pretty much everything, right? I, I like you. I, I, you know what? I, I like Pellegrini. I, I, Rafa Benitez was my first choice. Yeah. Pellegrini was a close second. I was happy with Pellegrini coming in. It took him a while to to get adjusted and to get the boys on side, but that's that's natural. But my concern over him is that when you look at the amount of games where West Ham didn't turn up, whilst the players have to be held accountable it's Pellegrini's job to make sure that doesn't happen. As a chief motivator of those group of players, it's his job to make sure that they are consistent. I mean, and it's other things as well. You know, the biggest disappointment for me this season, arguably, was, was going out of the, the FA Cup to Wimbledon. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know,
3: I mean, it didn't play, it didn't play his best it team. In the group was wide open to get to the final, if you look at oh, massive, he would have played. I mean, it was just, you know, and We need to get Mark yeah. Noble a trophy. We need to get Mark Noble, you know, into that that Billy Bonds, you know, sort of stratosphere, Trevor Brooking type of guys who won trophies. Definitely
1: 100 percent And and the thing is, what, what drives me mad is why West Ham United don't seem to take cup competition seriously enough. So the, I mean, it's not like got Champions League. Next week, or we're fighting for the title. This realistically, the FA Cup and the League Cup is our only chance of silverware. And I've never seen West Ham lift yep. silverware in my life. And I'm 35 years of age. So why is it? Why is it that we go to Wimbledon away and capitulate? Why do we not put our best 11 out there to get the job done? Why do West Ham go to <laughs> Arsenal in the quarter final of the League Cup away from home? And fielded pretty much a team of youngsters and players out of position. When Arsenal done exactly the same. I was there that night, and we went out of the cup. If we would have, if we had put our best eleven out that night, we probably could have got through that game and got into a two-legged semi-final. And then you're in with half a chance of winning the fucking cup. Yeah. What? Why, why don't West Ham do that? We're not big enough. We're not good enough to selectively choose whether we take these competitions seriously. We
0: have to because it's yeah. our only chance to somewhere. But why don't we also capitulate? Every single time that we were close to seventh place though you know this this half of the new year like basically you know just even the everton match i mean it they started perez and and obiang against everton when we were if we won that match we would have been in seventh place and then it's simply they just didn't want it that was part of our conspiracy theories that the board doesn't want to to Uh, or pellegrini's deal is that he they didn't want us to be in Europe next year. They wanted to just spend another year regrouping and, and rebuilding so that we could go try for it the next year. They was the of China growing money, growing all this extra money. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean,
3: China money. What what do you think? Didn't want to go to didn't want to go to Moldova at the end of July, and and, and failed to qualify yeah. against you know uh, Astro Gugu, whoever it is. We kept losing to in those years. What do you think, Dave? That's our conspiracy theory. Uh, do, do you know what?
1: My initial reaction to that is it's ridiculous. Like, why would the club not want the fans to have a European tour, and is there's more money in it for them financially? But actually, when you give it some thought, it's not as ridiculous a theory as Mm -hmm. you know my instincts might show. So I, I still would go along
0: the opinion that it wouldn't be deliberate. But, but the, the lineups and substitutions made it look deliberate, it made it look it made it feel deliberate. You know what I mean? It wasn't the, necessarily the performances as it was the, the people that he that he picked to play on the same pitch with each other. They, there was no mesh, and that had to do with the, with the lineup that he chose. And it was always a shit lineup every single time that we needed that win to go to seventh.
1: But but is that a question mark over Pellegrini's managerial ability as opposed to a club's
0: um... I, I doubt that. Theory. Because you know who he is and how, how famous he is and how, how much of, uh, you know, how liked he is and, as a manager and how supposedly yeah. brilliant he is. Um, why the fuck would he? You know what I mean? It makes no sense whatsoever that he would do something stupid unless he was told to. You I know mean, another, that's that's I mean, where we're coming from.
1: Another theory that I've got, to be honest with you, is I think too many times and too many occasions the players get away with murder. I mean, ultimately, it's them going out on the pitch and, and as professionals delivering a load of shit for West Ham. And you know, yeah. and it's the nature of the beast where we would automatically go to the manager and then the board. I've done it myself, but you know, when it comes to the players itself, I've seen it in them in certain games. They're not tracking back. They're not running. They're letting yeah. men run past them. They're looking like they don't give a shit. And I don't know yeah. if you know, are we attracting players of Philippe Anderson's ilk, for example, because we pay him one hundred and fifty grand a year? You know. So my point is. And I'm I'm only playing devil's advocate here. I'm no way saying Philip Anderson doesn't care and doesn't want to play for West Ham. But we've got a lot of players on big money there. Are we just an easy ride? Do they come to West Ham and think I'm picking up a fat paycheck every week? I'm not going to be competing for Europe and I'm not going to be fighting against relegation. So what's the genuine incentive for me to play here other than turn up when I feel like it and just, you know, Pick up a fat paycheck every week. I think the attitude has been wrong too many times this season. And if it wasn't wrong, and we would have beaten the teams that we should have beaten, then then we sh- we seriously could be sitting seventh place now, and everyone's got a smile on their face. But I think we've been if let if, down. If that's the case, then 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 why do we why do we look to get rid of somebody like
2: Hernandez, who goes out there every time he plays, gives a hundred percent? Yeah, he doesn't suit our system.
1: But the one thing you have to say about the lad is when he goes out there, he gives everything he's got. Mm, He he does. And do you know what's interesting about Hernandez, and we had this conversation on the podcast so many times, was in his first season at West Ham, you know, you you could put a strong argument together that he, he didn't really get the opportunities that he should have got. You know, he didn't get a real run at the first team football. And interestingly, if you look at Hernandez's goal scoring record in that first season for West Ham, he averaged something like one goal every 180 minutes. Well, that's one in two. Yeah. So actually, if you look at his record, he was a prolific goal scorer for West Ham. Yeah. He just didn't get the opportunity to do it week in, week out. But again, West Ham being West Ham, just just like Mascherano wasn't good enough to overtake Hayden Mullins in the side. Yeah. Real Madrid and Man United and done very, very well for himself. Suddenly can't play in West Ham's system. I mean, fuck me, you can't make it up, can you? No. How many? How
3: many? Dave? How many? players do you think? Have you talked about Chicha putting out full effort? I mean, when I watch West Ham, when I watched us this, this season, I see Snodgrass, I see Noble, I see Declan. I, I guess Fabianski, who's been fantastic. Honestly, yeah. those are probably the four players I can think of who I think play 100% every time we are on the pitch. Other yeah. players have had moments of brilliance and they've had moments of being less competent. But in terms of effort, I think of those four. The rest of them, I mean, a lot of them are walking around half the time. Yes, yeah. it's me. It's, it's the way it feels to me anyway.
1: I, I totally agree. I think first and foremost, the names you mentioned, you're absolutely right. Um, and they should be commended for that. But it almost seems strange saying that when they're paid the level of money that they are and they're playing for West Ham United. I mean, maybe it's because we're West Ham fans and we get it more than they ever would do. Or we mm-hmm. expect much from them. But even as professional athletes on that sort of money, you should go into work giving it 110%. But maybe there isn't enough of those players around. I mean, you could probably throw, well, Brenner in there as well, in terms of yeah. someone that, that gives 100%. In my opinion, I think he's had a great season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Constantly overlooked because yeah. of the amount of money we signed him for, in my opinion. I think yeah. because he didn't sign for £30 million, the spotlight hasn't been on him. But right. if it would have been on him, I think we'd have looked at him and thought we've got and one hell of a player player
3: Healthy, if we'd had the Diop uh centre back pairing the whole season, I think we'd have given up fewer shots and fewer goals.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And 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 I mean, look, you know, I, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. We we have had our injuries. We have been unfortunate. We missed Lanzini pretty much all season. We missed Yarmolenko. Melenko. was forward.
0: the hardest hit. Man,
1: Yarmolenko was tough. Yeah. Oh, awful. And just on the back of that Everton performance as well, you yeah. know, it's um. That was a killer. That was, and then you know Jack Wilshere. Whether we even should have signed him, I don't know. Carlos Sanchez, I don't know why we signed him, but he hasn't had an opportunity. <laughs> to get, so,
3: um, you know, and yeah, so we you know, did lose the game against Wolves uh, by getting caught in possession. That's all I remember. of Carlos Sanchez is him uh, just standing there, <laughs> you know, waiting for the final whistle when he gets uh, his pocket picked, and we give up the uh, we give up the, the game winning goal. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I can't understand that one, Carlos Sanchez. I mean, you think he's thirty two um don't remember him ripping up any trees for Aston Villa maybe i'm wrong i know he's an international or was but I, that's very different to premier league football and he's on a big he's on big money you know he's on about 70 80 grand a week carlos it's crazy. sanchez it's crazy. and that's well, almost
2: as much as
0: i bloody well am
3: <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell
0: you it's, oh, crazy. it's crazy that it's like a week man that's not that so fucking much money man that one week, week. is i it? It's amazing. Just so amazing. That's
1: oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, football but yeah you know, I, I often have this um argument with my father-in-law who isn't a football fan and it, and he always goes on about as disgusting how much footballers get paid but you know my counter argument to that is the problem is that sports entertainment if you're gonna have a pop-up footballers about it look at American footballers how much do they get paid yeah. you know how much do you win in a golf tournament that you don't even have to physically train for mm-hmm. you know how much do you win yeah, for a tennis.
3: Baseball players sit around most of the time, and they make the most of any. Well, basketball players, I guess. Baseball players make the most of any American athletes for like running. You know, eight minutes a game.
1: Basically. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, <laughs> you know, whilst I think they are overpaid, no, but it's I think true. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's
3: baseball, but just say it. it's just kind of true.
1: That's all. Uh, yeah. But conceptually you're right. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's basically footballers aren't overpaid. Sports entertainers are overpaid and footballers fall into that bracket.
3: Well, they're like pop, uh, everybody else. They're, they're entertainers, right? It's, it's supply and demand. Yeah. If they, yeah, yeah. They're going to get what the market will give them but right now. The market will give them a lot. So. Yeah, but yeah. they also have
2: the longest training for a career than anybody else. It's like, you know, you're training to be a doctor, what's eight years to train to be a doctor? Yeah, the mm. Declan Rice. How long was he training to be a footballer from the, 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 the time he, he started rolling a ball as a kid? Yeah. I mean it's like you've got you've got and you've got, a, and you've got a limited time period for to 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 cash in on this. You've got what? Maybe twenty years if you're lucky. If you're mm. lucky.
3: Well, yeah. I think it's the hardest sport to break into because even though there are many thousands of clubs all over the world, there are many millions, maybe billions of people who want to be professional footballers, uh, whereas not everybody has the means to go out and try to be a professional golfer or even American football player. Uh, with football, I mean, every kid in the world wants to be a professional footballer. So, yeah, it's maybe the hardest one to actually get into at high wages with a big club. So I do understand that. Um, but even so, I'd like to see sometimes a little bit more effort out of guys who are getting more in a week than I make in a year.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, So you'd love to think so, wouldn't you?
0: Speaking of uh, youth, I guess, uh, what, what what prospects excite you the most going next season?
1: Um prospects in terms of up and coming talent at West Ham. Mm-hmm.
0: Correct, yeah. yeah, youth. Yeah. I think
1: there are um, you know, there there are there are quite a few names I'm hearing about. I mean, obviously Johnson came through and he made his debut against Man City. I mean Fucking hell, talk about framing the deep end there, Man City away, but he done right. well. He had, yeah. Yeah. Um, had, know, a, think,
3: had a draw. yeah. got screwed out of that one. Yep.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but he did, well, he did well that night. And then, you know, there are other players. You know, X always tells me about Nathan Holland. You know, um,
3: yeah,
1: he, he, he me. And, yeah, I mean, I, I've only seen snippets of him, so I can't claim to know that much about him. But the academy think very highly of him. And I do know that he was preferred over Dean Garner. Yeah. And it was his time to to break into the squad before Grady's, but Nathan picked up an injury, which he's been unfortunate with and, and, and Grady kind of um, took the opportunity. But yeah, I mean, see, the academy is a bit of a grey area for me because I think now more than ever at Premier League level, it's incredibly hard for an academy graduate at any football club really to come in yeah. and stake a claim in the side uh Declan's a freak in that respect because he yeah. hasn't just done okay. He's coming and he's a well-beater. I mean, I can't speak highly enough of Declan Rice. Grady, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Grady's got. I don't think so. No. I'm
0: not. A, I'm not that much of a fan. I guess I'm not really no. impressed him that much No, I mean, no, he's, he's had he's nice. had plenty of opportunities. He's had plenty of chances and really yeah, has shine. Time. You know. Yeah,
1: it doesn't impact the game enough for me, which is um, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, th- there are there are other names. I mean, X is very good on this. He keeps a closer eye to the academy than I do. But yeah, I mean, it's you know, we're known as the Academy of Football. And, you know, we, we went from <laughs> unlimited amounts of players through the youth that went on to have fantastic careers and hit a real lull. For a number of years and then started to come through again recently so hopefully you know we'll see a few more boys come through because let's not forget whilst managers go overseas for a lot of players there are by regulation a certain amount of homegrown players you have to have in the squad anyway so we we, trained at the club yeah absolutely so we do have an interest because we have to have an interest in homegrown British players so um, yeah watch this space really but I'm, I'm sure there's a few boys but You know when they get the opportunity they've got to take it it's as simple as that it's that's that's football now top level football it's cutthroat
0: yeah now with um so the news out today was that they were were looking at a couple different players um to replace adrian um who would you i mean have you heard that at all i mean have you seen any names pop up Uh, as a replacement for uh, as a backup for fabianski
1: well, there's potentially a few picks at Burnley. I mean, they've got three goalkeepers and I think two of them at one point were in the England squad and then they decided to sign another third goalkeeper in Joe Hart, which which was a strange um, one. So yeah, there there's Pope, there's Heaton and there's Hart. And you'd the, the question is, what goalkeeper of a certain calibre can we get to mid-table West Ham to be a number two? Yeah,
0: yeah. That. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's what well, I, I, I can't uh, picture Tom Heaton won't to have another season as number two. You well, I can't picture us wanting him, can you?
2: I mean, he's that he's out. At, I mean, if you're going to get somebody young, you're going to want somebody younger because I mean, Fabianski's on, well, he won't on, even, you, even you, need you don't to play the younger. <laughs> Tom Heaton's on what,
0: 32, 33? They're not yeah. even getting a match unless it's a cup match, man. Really, I mean, look at what Fabianski did last this season, man. I mean, yeah. he played every single match, didn't he? I like yeah. to see Nathan Trot get a get a run out.
1: Well, so that's the other argument. I mean, you know, at, at what point At what point, as Nathan Trott or an academy player do you see a position open for you at West Ham after being at the club for X amount of years, feeling that you've earned the right to now step up and yeah. then see someone get signed in that position over you? So, you know, maybe now is the time to, to bring in um, Nathan and, and see how he gets on because it's, it's like you said, goalkeepers very rarely get injured. They very rarely miss games. And actually, they go on to have quite long careers. I think yeah. goalkeepers go on to play oh, to wow. an old range in the outfield. High 30s, yeah. 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 So, um, but Fab's, no one's taking Fab's place. I mean, he's he's been fucking phenomenal this season, you know.
3: So let's, phenomenal. See, let's talk about Maxi Gomez. Um, there's a lot of talk about him signing with us, which, of course, means it absolutely will not happen. <laughs> <laughs> Something, something, yeah. Read something in the British press. It has already not happened, basically. That's how I treat it. So, But, I mean, if we really have no transfer budget or we're only using what we get in from transfer fees, I mean, he's like a £40 million, Is he not of like a £40 million pound, uh, signing? How, how are we doing that? And is he the only player we're going to sign? Or, or do you know that's even actually going to happen?
1: Yeah. I, I, again, I think it's a tricky one. See, we all fall into the trap of reading what's in the press and taking it for granted yeah. i mean there is so much bollocks written about yeah. everyone in football. No, mm-hmm. I, I, um,
3: I used to be a journalist in this country not a sports journalist but a technology journalist but i know we make a lot of mistakes in this country but i think yeah. most reporters really try to have integrity about facts yeah Maybe not, yeah but about facts. Yeah, not
2: british journalists
3: <laughs> not british journalists. well they just say yeah. whatever they want and it comes out of nowhere and it's it's yeah. my journalism professors would be disgusted you know
2: so, anyway, if it isn't written on page three, of the sun. I don't believe it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <That's>, um, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, it, in terms of Maxi Gomez, I mean, I know the interest is genuine, uh, mm-hmm. I know that there are other clubs interested in him as well. I mean, that's going to be our biggest problem. And see, see, this is the problem when you know potential targets do go public, because You know, and and the players' agents are the the biggest causes of this happening. You know, we know it ourselves from Arnie. You know, there are always agents that are tapping up players, going out to the press saying, this player's wanted by this club, this player's wanted by this club, because they're trying to get as much money for that player and in turn getting money for themselves. So we can't seem to ever get a deal done without it going public, which always worries me. That said... I mean, I, I don't know a hell of a lot about him. I think he's he's a grafter, from what I understand. He, he's a workhorse up front, which is good. I think, considering he's been in a relegation battle with his club, I think his overall goal scoring record this season has been quite impressive. That said, I don't know how many goals he's scored since January because I've got a feeling it's pretty low. I, mean, he's I think he's only scored one or
0: two. Since he's January, also yeah. had a couple, of red, you know, at least one red card, where he, he had to miss another match, you know, because yeah. of that. Uh, he's got yeah. a short temper. So- What's That's up with us and hot-headed players? Cuz we were linked with Mitrovic too, who's another fucking hothead. And I don't and, want- I, and why do we why do we keep looking at hotheads from these relegated teams? They don't really excite me. Why do we want these players? I mean, if we're going to sign a player from a relegated team, I want Alex Pritchard. Cuz he's a yeah. fucking bastard. He's an yeah. asshole. He's a he's a, he's so annoying like as an opponent and he's always in the play and he scores goals, scores goals against us too. That's the type of player that I would want from a relegated team because at least he has fighting in him. These other guys don't give a shit that they're for a paycheck and they're getting yeah. relegated. Fuck them. Like, fuck yeah. off. Um, and there was easy, somebody easy else.
2: with a painted head from, from Fulham. I can never think oh, of his Babel, name.
0: Ba- Babel? or whatever his name Pat is? Babel.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I don't understand that transfer either, even though he needs a couple of goals from I think you've almost answered your own question there, to be honest, in terms of, you know, the reason you might want a few hot-headed players around. To be honest, at times, I think that's what we've missed. I yeah. think we've missed that nastiness, that spite, that grit. Because let's not forget, players feed off of other players. And if you've collectively got a group that, that turn up and they don't fancy it, or they're not giving 110 percent, or they're slouching, these type of players we're talking about are the sort of players that will get that between, the bit between their teeth and say, so, yeah. right, fucking come on, boys, what's going on here? Do, you know, do we want to fucking win this or not? And go yeah. out and get other players by the scruff of the neck, like like your bonzos and your Dixies did back in the day. novel
3: Noble from time to time too. Noble has the same effect. I mean, yeah, I, I, has,
0: from time to time, yeah. You know, he'll carry players around. Uh, yeah. up carry, uh, the Snodgrass Declan. too, man. Snodgrass. Yeah, will
3: be.
1: Yeah, 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 of course. I mean, I think we've got, we have got characters like that, but I think we need more of them, to be quite honest yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. may, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you know, Declan is is an absolute world-beater of a player, but he's still in his infancy, even though I think, you know, slightly contradictory, he's going to be a future captain for West Ham if he stays. But it's still very early from him. Anderson, I think, is the sort of fella who's, you know, a great player but probably wouldn't say boot with goose. Um, you know, Antonio's probably too nice. I I think he's that sort of player.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but he tends to wind their own fucking fans up more than the opposition players. Um, and you've what got about the, Jack Grealish. I
2: mean, there's uh, a lot of talk about Grealish coming up from, from, from Villa. I mean, he yeah. seems to be that sort of yeah. player that got, that's got a bit of gumption about him. And then, and I'm certainly, he's, 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 he's proven that he's got a little bit of talent
1: there. Do, do you know what? The, the this question comes up a lot in terms of potential new players right Mm -hmm. and what's interesting is rightfully so people can't speak enough of mark noble right now but one of the things i've heard constantly recently is we should be looking at another box to box midfielder to sit alongside declan and i for one have been saying that since the start of the season you know i really Mm -hmm. do but let's say we sign that player what does that mean for mark noble Or even if you sign a Jack Grealish, who is in a number 10 role, what does that mean for Lanzini? Where do all these players fit in? Because maybe I'm naive, and this is why I said in the podcast the other night, I think we are the seventh best team in that division. Maybe the eighth best team. Because if you look at us from a midfield perspective onwards, you know, I mean, our goalkeeper got hammered a year, but looking from midfield onwards, you've got Mark Noble and Declan Rice there. Philippe Anderson, Manuel Lanzini, Mikel Antonio, and Marco Anotovich. I mean, that should be devastating teams. Yes, yes. In, the result, yeah. Yeah. You know, and but that's but that's based if they're on form and they can stay injury free and they, they turn up and give a shit. Because yes, if that's then. the case, where do you look? If you bring someone in, who who loses their place? Because well, on their day, every single one of
0: those players on their days, Or even Yara Lincoln when he comes back healthy. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. No.
3: Yeah. I mean, no. as much as we all love Noble and as brilliant as he's been the last few weeks, I think over the course of the season, I mean, is he really somebody who's going to make 38 appearances for us, 35 appearances? Or if he's feeling to me like somebody who maybe should be getting in, should be getting like 20 appearances at all competitions and maybe getting a little bit of rest. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But I can see there being a case for somebody to kind of, Platoon with Noble for Prime Minister. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, everybody loves Mark Noble, and you can never question his effort. And I think his effect on the team is very positive. Uh, But I I think the the real question is at his age, at his stage of his career, does he give you 90 minutes, 38 games a season? I'm not sure he does. I don't know if you're like a platoon situation, like the word you use in American sports is where you have two guys sharing the position, basically. Uh, I don't know if maybe that's something to think about. But uh, who would accept who would come in and say, Okay, fine,
1: I'll split mm, Yeah, I yeah, think that's a difficult one because it, you know a lot of it is the high pace and intensity of the Premier League these days as well. You know, what whilst Mark's done an incredible job over the last couple of weeks, to, you know, two of the best games I've seen him play for West Ham in yeah. a long time, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, I mean if Arnie got the man of the match against Southampton, I would have given it to nobs And yeah. against Tottenham, he was just a yeah. world beater. Uh, he was absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, he's never been the quickest. As he's getting older, he's he's still never going to be the quickest. But because he's never been the quickest, does age really matter? Because he's not going to lose pace that he's never had. Um, but the question is, at this level, do you know, as the game goes on and seasons go on and athletes increase, do you need pace? You know, Declan isn't the fastest. But maybe that's where we're going wrong. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I, I, I personally like to put a box to box. If I could pick a player as an example, it'd be a Kante, a defensive midfielder in yeah. a Cante, the old school Makalele yeah. sitting alongside Declan Rice. That's an unbreakable central midfield for me, mm. um, and enough talent going forward in that final third. And then you know you just got to add to that. Ryan Fredericks, I think, has been fantastic for West oh, He's He's
3: Ham. Yeah,
1: Yeah, Zabba has signed a one-year deal. Our goalkeeper's hammer of the year. The Generals had a great season. Diop looks like he could be one of the top talents in the Premier League. Masuaki, I love him, but he ain't a left-back. And do you know what? As I'm saying this, and as I'm speaking so highly of all these players, it does start to make a little bit more sense as to maybe why we shouldn't go out and spend over £100 million again. Maybe we should just trust the players we've got to have another season of continuity under Pellegrini. To, to get in, get even yeah. more acquainted with um, that might be the key to consistency. Just continuity, stability right. in their own futures, and let's spend 30, 40, 50, 60 million pounds on two or three players and add them to the squad. Yep. Maybe right. that's,
3: maybe that's Bar, where we're looking. With VAR, we have a few calls go our way that didn't go our way this season. We, we've yep. lost between five and eight points uh, on, on poor calls. It, against, by the way, against yeah. the Champions League finalists. Uh, Look at yep. all I mean. Um, and uh, and with injuries, if we, we can ever have a season with without losing major players for large chunks of the season, then yeah. it will be like having new signings. It will be like having a new team. Uh, but you know, yeah. it's funny because I'm with you. I look at our players and I look at it on paper. I think this is like a top eight team on paper, but we never yeah. quite get there. You know? And yeah. Yeah, you watch us play Burnley. You watch us play Cardiff away. You watch us play Wolves, who were pretty good this year, to be fair. Yeah. You watch us play, uh, you know, uh, some of the Watford, for instance, and we're just pathetic. And it makes me wonder, why does it yeah. cost so much? Why can Wolves go out there and finish seventh and have a really, you know, a, a really very good season with a squad that probably shouldn't be as good as ours?
1: Exactly, and unfortunately, that is a question that has to fall on Pellegrini's lap. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, 100%, whatever happened this season subject to a serious threat against relegation, I think he has to have at least uh, two full seasons before he can be properly judged. But motivating your players and getting the players playing for you is a key attribute to what a manager has to have, because you can have all the quality in the well, but if the attitude and motivation ain't right, you're not going to get the best from them. You know, I mean, West Ham have been relegated before with a team of stars. But something wasn't right in the background. On the flip side to that, Burnley never had any stars when they qualified for Europe in the Premier League two or three seasons ago. So, how could they do it? You know? so match
2: jelly deals on the table behind the goal on that claret carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah exactly. That's so how you do it every
2: bloody time. Food does it for me every time. What do you reckon?
3: <laughs> we may reckon, We may never lose at home again with the claret carpet. We have not lost with the claret carpet.
0: That's true. I'm serious. Yeah. Well, I your right. any deals. On messaging deals. Uh, on that note, uh, we got to wrap it up. Just so you know. Um, cool. So listen, I got to thank you so much, Dave. Uh, it has been a real honor having uh, you know, a nice little chat with you. Um, yeah, uh Real quick, I just got to mention the people in the chat room today. There was a bunch. Uh, we had James Quinn from uh Quinlan from, uh, Knox hammers is watching. We have Bow who has been in here a few times. The Vans United from Russia was watching uh, John black the guy from Vegas. Hey was watching again. So John, um, yeah. And that was, that was pretty much the only ones chatting, but there was a bunch more in there in the live chat taking a watch at this. So, so thank you guys so much. Sorry. We didn't get to was ask Gabe, or answer any of your questions. Was Gabe um,
3: was asked to watch us today, Tim, or was, Gabe um, you trying to graduate from high school?
0: I'm probably trying to graduate from high school. Yeah. We got a day, yeah. We got a, we got a we got a high school kid that watches pretty much every single episode of ours. And we also have um, another guy from Philly. Where's Wally? Wally World. He has yeah, to be Wally, working I his bought, day job.
3: Wally bought some coffee. Uh,
0: he did, he bought some Strava <laughs> crab coffee. Thanks. They, that's actually what uh, <laughs> Wally spurred me to get the discount code for him. <laughs> so,
3: uh, uh, Wally bought Strava coffee and I'm sure he's thoroughly enjoying it
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: i've got to give a shout out to my buddy paul that does a uh, drinkware design that makes these incredible mugs and it makes my jack daniels taste even
1: better drinkwaredesigns.com awesome, <laughs> is there anything you want a mug dave mean, everybody pretty much knows oh, when you're oh, in a- oh, uh, uh, only on the subject of alcohol If um, if you want to drink alcohol At your seat at the London Stadium Which you're not allowed to do An easy way around that is Buy two uh, JD and Coke tins That they sell at the stadium um, Get a plastic cup Which is designed just for Coca-Cola Pour the two tins in there Walk into the stadium They think you've got Coke And you're sitting there Getting off your tits on JD hey You can have that Texas,
3: one In Texas We put a flask in our cowboy boots To go to the game <laughs> No, I'm not making this up. i <laughs> <laughs> oh, <you> know. <laughs> this hey, he's it's not a joke. Oh, yeah. No, last last college football game we went to down at my alma mater, all the guys were in boots. It's like 113 degrees. I'm like, why are you wearing boots? And then they whip out their flask.
0: And like, oh, that's why you are in boots. Okay. Yeah.
3: All right. <laughs> oh,
0: so yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks yeah. everybody for watching. We'll talk to you real quick off the air, Dave. Uh, come yeah, on, you guys. No worries. Yeah. Thanks.